The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 474 of the Columbia Calling podcast. This week's episode, well, we have our special guest, Erwin Lears, back on the show. He's been on a few times, but most importantly, right now, not just for his coffee company, that's called Native Root Coffee, look it up online, Native Root Coffee, excellent stuff. Uh, but because he is indigenous and he's of the NASA community in Southwest in the Cauca area, very different to where the Mutukui children were found or from in Guaviare, Caqueta, that area. But at the same time, he's going to be able to provide us with a better insight into the indigenous way of looking at the nature in the jungle, the importance of nature and Pachamama, Mama Earth, uh, Mother Earth, and indeed will interpret a little bit around the rescue of the four children from the Colombian jungle. We'll have to talk to it because obviously we, we look at it from our perspective, Northern European, Northern American, you know, a rescue from the jungle and so on. That's very much how it's been reported. But let's hear it from an indigenous perspective. And of course, when the search was being ramped up, there were people from the Guardia Indigena brought over from all over the country as well to help out, some of whom actually unknown to Irvin himself. So we talk about this in this episode. So I think quite timely, of course. Uh, no thanks to the Daily Mail for their headlines on, on what's been going on. Uh, you can uh, Google that. I'm not even going to give you a link to that because it's, it's kind of vile. What more do you expect? But thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our last episode, 473, with Brian Murphy. You know, a love letter to Columbia. It was really, it was really great to record, and equally so with Emily Hart the week before, 472, um, a 10-year anniversary episode. So onwards and upwards, as we say here, onwards and upwards, and from strength to strength, hopefully, uh, and keeping you and enticing more listeners to the podcast. If, of course, you wish to support us, that's www.patreon.com forward slash Columbia Calling. Now we'll go over to Emily Hart with the news and come back in segment three with Erin Liz discussing this rescue in the jungle, but from the perspective of an indigenous community. So don't go away. And thank you very much for listening. 
The Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We are also sponsored by... BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator providing a wonderful range of exclusive small group shared tours for those over 50, along with customizable private tours to both popular and off-the-map destinations throughout this beautiful and diverse country. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a unique private package of your own just complete the form on the columbia calling website that's www.columbiacalling.co or the bnb columbia tours website that's www.bnbcolumbia.com and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all of your questions and to start the planning of your exclusive colombian adventure so that's bnbcolumbia.com and latin news Thank you for supporting our sponsors. I'm Emily Hart and these are your top stories for the week of June 19th, 2023. Campesino farmers will be recognised as the subject of special rights and protections according to a constitutional reform passed unanimously this week. As is already the case with indigenous and Afro-descendant communities, campesinos, smallholder or peasant rural farmers will now have special conditions set out to guarantee equality amid acknowledgement that the group is a vulnerable demographic. Campesinos have been demanding this change for some years. In other equality news, a statutory bill has been approved which extends Colombia's quota law from 30% to 50%. This means that half of positions in the highest decision-making bodies and in certain electoral lists will have to be filled by women. These rules will come into force in 2026. Nineteen arrest warrants have been suspended for members of FARC dissident group the Estado Mayor Central in order to open space for a negotiating table with the government with the aim of creating a ceasefire agreement with the state. Meanwhile, clashes between guerrilla group the ELN, the Ejército de Liberación Nacional, and FARC dissident group the Dagoberto Ramos Front in Cauca have combined indigenous communities to their homes with a high risk of humanitarian consequences. Amid a recent and celebrated government ceasefire with the ELN, these communities are warning that the accords are worth little if groups continue to fight amongst themselves and effects will remain minimal in the country's rural territories. Meanwhile, President Gustavo Petro has been in Germany negotiating agreements regarding green hydrogen production as part of his agenda to reduce petrol consumption and create facilities to produce clean energy in Colombia. During his tour of Germany, the president received two sacred masks originally from a Kogi indigenous community, now to be returned to Colombia after they were acquired in the early 20th century by a Berlin museum. The artefacts will be taken back to the Sierra Nevada. And the Nevado del Ruiz volcano is showing reduced activity, according to scientists. A decreased number of earthquakes, movements of liquids and fracturing within the structure of the volcano. However, it will remain on orange alert, with experts still not ruling out an eruption in coming days or weeks.
Those were your top stories for this week. Thanks for listening. And we're back. This is Colombia Calling, episode 474. Uh, yes, we're here in Bogota. My very special guest this week is Erwin Liz. Now, if you haven't listened back to the Columbia Calling podcast back in, you know, older episodes, Erwin has been on several times. We've discussed everything from his coffee uh, uh, coming from the Cauca region, Terra Dentro. We've discussed his scholarships to the U.S. We also discussed when there was uh, blockades uh, down in the southwest of the country. We've talked about everything. And now I'm getting Erwin back on here because we need to talk not just coffee, obviously. Coffee's great. But I'd like to hear from, let's say, the other side of the story when we think about the rescue if it, of the four children from the jungles in Guaviare. Uh, Erwin is of the NASA people. And and I just thought maybe it's time to hear more from the other side. So, well, Erwin, first and foremost, welcome back on the Columbia Calling podcast. Thank you so much, Richard. No, it's always a pleasure to have you on. You've always uh, got, I don't know, you're always very happy. You're always very informed. And so I just like having a chat and uh, and, and catching up. And first, let's let's talk about your, your coffee project. Native Root is going from strength to strength. I know that you're exporting and selling within Colombia. So tell us a little bit about it. Do, do some publicity for your, for your, uh, your company. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much, Richard. So yeah, we're we're an indigenous company, and we're also a family company that is mainly made up of women. It's uh, for the women versus three men. Uh, so basically, my 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 three sisters, my mom, and then my brother and my dad. That's the composition of the company. And what we have been doing since 2017 is we have been uh, working with. Uh, the coffee that we grow at our own farm, but then also the coffee that that is grown by our neighbors, and uh, the whole mission of the the company is basically bringing the best of the coffee that is grown in the region, uh, paying the farmers uh, better prices for their coffee, and and then uh, you know bringing it to customers here in Colombia and customers outside of the country. Uh, we're mainly going into the U.S., to Canada, and some of it go- also goes to Italy. Uh, but we also have a lot of uh, consumers here internally, which we're very happy about because, um, as we all know, for a very long time, Colombians used to drink really, really bad coffee. And so we are we're in, that, in that kind of fight <laughs> yeah, to, to, to convince uh, more Colombians to drink good coffee. And so it's it's been a, quite an honor to be part of this process because to Today, compared to even just a couple of years, uh, you know, people know a little bit more about specialty coffee. People know a little bit more about, you know, grinding their own beans and 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 and, and also knowing about the origin and traceability and all that kind of stuff. So we're very happy to uh, to be part of that of that moment, I guess, towards uh, you know just drinking uh, one of the products that characterizes Colombia in the world, which is uh, which is coffee, really good yeah. coffee. So yeah, it's 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 been a it's been quite an interesting journey, and it's going great so far, and we have just kept on growing. I think it's it's, it's great because I remember you know when we first spoke, 
I lived uh, three houses ago and stuff and you were growing and it had a different name and everything else, but the, the rebranding a few years ago. And it just looks like when I see your posts on Facebook and elsewhere, it just looks like you're growing and growing and growing. So I think the next stop, there'll be a native root cafe somewhere in Bogota before long. I think so. But uh, I uh, let's congratulate Erwin on his um on his success, of course, his family business. And where can we find your coffee? Nativeroot.com, is that it? Is... Yes, that's the place where people can go and buy it. We have a website and there is a web, uh, there, is a, there is a shop in there where, where, where you can buy it online. Uh, but also we uh, take a lot of orders via WhatsApp, which mm-hmm. the link is also available on the website. If you are more of a of a person who likes to communicate directly with with us and so we can take the orders uh, either way and of course uh, shipping nationwide and also to many other countries just make sure to ask us excellent it's so cool it's so great to see these success stories that that come up and how we can accompany uh you know ervin and his projects and and business for so many years and see how how well it's doing but ervin the reason why we we want to talk more than the coffee of course is is this story which is still very much in the news uh, last uh last saturday i guess it was or last yeah last saturday yeah. um the four children that had been uh, lost in the jungle after this well, tragic air accident. Their Cessna went down into the jungle canopy and all adults were killed who were on the plane. Four days later, the, the mother who was traveling with them succumbed to her injuries and died. The four children then survived 40 days in the jungles of Guaviare in parts of Colombia where you can't see more than 20 meters visibility because the jungle is so dense. Uh, and there was a huge, huge uh, rescue location uh, effort. Uh, hundreds of people involved, all split up into teams. And and yes, last Saturday they were found and airlifted out. And then after getting to San Jose del Guaviare, then taken to Bogota, where they remain at this moment in the military hospital under under watch because they suffered from severe dehydration, insect bites. Uh, and well, I guess uh, yeah, uh, malnutrition as well, and of course the trauma of having gone through all of this. But we hear a lot about the sort of side that I'm talking about. We hear a lot of this from, I would say, a Northern European or Western style. But I thought it was time that we should hear more from, you know, let's say an indigenous perspective. And this is where this is where Ervin comes in. So. Let's let's start with the the very basics, Ervin. When you first heard forty days ago, when or when the when the plane went missing and went down, we knew there was an air crash. What is your reaction to this? You know, it's like okay, four very young indigenous wee Toto children in the jungle at ages thirteen, nine, four, and and one. What is your reaction to this? You, I mean, what do you think is it's? Uh, do you put yourself in a in a similar situation? Do you know of other stories similar to this? Just give us a, a little bit of a, uh, you know, maybe some maybe some ideas. Yeah. So so when I first heard about it, uh, well, initially I I didn't know much about the, the the story until I actually started reading about it, and and my, you know my first impression was of course. Uh, this is gonna be a, a very tough situation. And to be honest, I wasn't very, I wasn't very, uh, uh, I guess, uh, uh, positive about the outcome uh, afterwards. And because, especially because of the age, you know, mm-hmm. 
these are very young uh, kids and and just uh you know I, I used to think about uh you know my dad my dad also had a farm down in Putumayo at some point and so I remember this one time where he went out with my mom and a jaguar followed them now they they were they were not very far away from the from the farmhouse and a jaguar followed them and and uh you know uh, he, nothing happened uh, but you know in, in the jungle there is every kind of danger and while you know we we did grow up in a in a in a very remote area in cauca our area is not is not nearly i guess as uh, jungle-like as the regions, uh, you know, in Caqueta, in Putumayo. And so I did understand that, you know, these were uh, very different conditions. And so, you know, taking that into consideration, I wasn't very uh, positive about what, what would happen. Not not because, you know, not because I guess uh, the, the children couldn't figure something out, because we as indigenous peoples, we, we do grow up, you know, basically understanding and knowing everything there is to know about the surroundings and the context in which we grow, you know, like, like just in the case, in my case, when I was a kid, uh, uh, you know, my, my parents, uh, you know, even without teaching us, we used to, we used to ride horses from the very beginning. We used to know how to, uh, you know, go up in the mountains and, and, and get fruits and get, and get food and and you know that's basically the context where we grew where we grew up and we used to play on trees and so and so you you learn how to climb you learn how to get food from the forest you learn how to get fruits and you also get to this you know you get to learn to distinguish between good food uh good fruits and, and fruits that might not be uh good for for us as humans mm. And so, and so I wasn't, uh, I guess, doubting their ability to do that. But my main concern was uh, the, the animals out there that could uh, potentially harm them. And there is a, a great many of them. I mean, this this, this forest are, uh, you know, they they have uh, also, um, you know, pumas, mountain lion. There is jaguars. There is there is you know even even herbivores could be potentially dangerous, uh, you know, against children, especially at that age. And so, you know, taking that into consideration, I was, I was very, uh, I guess, proud and very just uh, surprised at their strength. And also, you know, the, the care for the older sister, uh, you know, for the children. And that also brought you know, into mind uh, the way we, we grow up in the community, which is which is always you know the elder, the eldest ones start taking always care of the younger ones from very very early age. Uh, you know, in the case of you know we are five siblings, so my eldest sister and and we are only ten years apart from the oldest to the youngest, which is me. And so you know when by the time I was born, she was only she was only ten years old, my eldest sister, and she and she was basically as a mom to me because you know my parents would go out there to the farm uh, to take care of business while uh, the the siblings will stay at home, and so they had to take learn to take care of each other. You know, when you go to an indigenous community, you're going to see very very young uh, kids, uh, men and women, uh, like like yeah, boys and girls, uh, carrying other children that are almost you know half their size so you will see this very frequently and that basically is is how we grow up uh, learning to take care of each other and so i guess all of those abilities 
definitely played a, a crucial role in the outcome of uh, of this of this uh, story so again uh, i'm i was very happy to to see the outcome at the end but initially i was just like i guess very scared and, and, and not very positive about what would happen in that context especially since i had been in that context before yeah i i mean i i uh i think it's it's just one of those things where as soon as they got to like 30 days, I was like, this, this can't go on. Right. Uh, this can't go on. But like you were saying, your upbringing is in the nature. Uh, and as you said, again, your, your siblings are raising you. So there is already that added responsibility and understanding of the family and the family unit. And of course, I would say authority. The oldest one is the one who's saying and carrying and doing. And like in this case, I guess uh, the 13-year-old is Leslie, and she knew what she was doing. But also, as you say, you grew up in the nature, knowing almost implicitly, I think, about the fruits and the seeds. And I guess this is one of the the things that we kind of we kind of sort of fell back on when we thought about the four Mukutui children, the four, that's the surname, there in the Guaviare is like, obviously the four-year-old and the one-year-old will not be as, <laughs> or nothing at all, but the 13-year-old and the nine-year-old have to know more, have to know about this. So it, it, uh, I find that obviously that was a great source of relief when we sort of think of the, the time they spent in the jungle and so. But I, I would like to ask. There's a, there's a few things that I've said as well on the, the international media, and and I think a lot of my friends also here in Colombia have said uh, the the way that this search was conducted to include the indigenous communities really is it's kind of pioneering that you know a few years ago i don't think that would have happened it would just be a military operation right exactly yeah and i was also very surprised about that because uh yeah you know i guess i guess since we know about cases like this mm-hmm. uh there is always the involvement of of other kind of authorities not necessarily the, the the indigenous communities, and so I guess in this case, you know, this was a major uh, shift, I guess, uh, in the in the sharing of responsibility um, with the with the communities, which I will say it's a it was a very wise, uh, you know. A, 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 decision to make uh given that it was the the, the indigenous peoples who found uh the kids it, it wasn't it wasn't directly the army i mean the army was definitely a, a a very important player in the in the whole matter but it was actually the guardia indigena who found uh the kids um uh what i did not uh, like very much was that you know in the official pictures it was it was mainly just uh soldiers uh there taking care of the children when the actual the true story was that you know it was the indigenous uh, guardia who who found them and then gave them to the army uh but i guess that's mainly just kind of politics i will say uh or i don't know uh in any case uh you know uh, uh you know if if he hadn't been you know, for their for their presence, it might have taken longer, it, or I don't know. And you know, I don't know what would have happened. But definitely, uh, I was very um, grateful in a way to see that. Uh, you know, also when I was listening to the interview, 
uh, I think it was on Canal Capital when you know when they were interviewing the, the Guardia and then the uh, the was it Sergeant or well uh, the the Army personnel who was in charge of the of the of the search and rescue, uh, you know he was he was very uh, I guess respectful of the ways of the indigenous people and also he was grateful uh for them uh, you know having accompanied the whole process and you know just seeing that uh, also you know makes me feel very happy and proud um because you know this person did seem to uh, you know, truthfully value uh, that, you know, that ancient knowledge and uh, that comes from the indigenous communities and, and, and of course the work that they did in the whole process. So I don't know how everybody else feels, but just seeing that person in authority, uh, you know, say this, the things that he was saying, and, you know, he started with the, with the, in, with the Guardian Indigena Salute, which was really good uh, as well. So I was very happy to hear that. I mean, it's a definite change. It's a definite change from, you know, uh, when there were sort of uh, paros in the south, how the military would address the indigenous communities or even the campesinos, you know, the farmers. There has been a definite shift. That's the word you used. And I, and I, we could see that. And the language used by, as you said, that, that soldier, the soldier in charge was one very much of humanitarian uh, beliefs and projects. And that that was different. These, these these guys did not sound like warriors anymore, which is right. it was it was really uh, quite refreshing and to see that and I, and hearing it from your perspective as well to actually even make you feel proud that a soldier does the Guardia Indígena salute and and yep. and you know that's a, it's just a big deal because. I've I've been to Araraquara more than ten years ago down there, so where the Mukutui family are from or nearby, and uh, the relationship this all these years ago uh, between the Witoto and the military was never great. I mean, there was a suspicion from both sides, uh, and it's and it's the obvious suspicion, you know, if you, uh, you know, if you're just trying to survive, uh, so therefore, you know, you obviously, you, you know, if you. Let's say the guerrilla comes through and you let them come through. So the military think you're a guerrilla sympathizer. And then the military comes through and you let them come through your land as well. And they take some food. Then the guerrillas think you're a military sympathizer. And so you can't, you can't win. And so I feel that there's always been the suspicion. Can can you confirm this a bit about the relationship between the military and and communities yeah i mean that that relationship i guess is the same throughout the whole country with indigenous mm. communities i mean uh, it's it's happening in caucus you know so many times where uh, the communities have have been judged by both sides to be you know uh, helping both sides and so it definitely makes things very very complicated and there has been a, a quite a complicated relationship in, with many tribes where you know even even in Cauca you know this one time when when the when the indigenous community basically carried out the the soldiers from their base where they were staying they 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 literally lift them up and took them out of there i mean in situations like that have happened and so it's it's been you know it's been very difficult uh from both sides uh just because there has never been uh, any level of of i guess actual you know human communication heart to heart communication it's always been mainly about 
what you know the either side wants to do and and not really think about the community or include the community in the processes and so i i guess seeing this this new perspective definitely uh, you know makes me hope hope for mm. the best i i really hope that you know that this might be the beginning of a of a long lasting relationship where where actually the the authority also of the of the indigenous uh, guard can also be taken into consideration in matters of of this sort of humanitarian mm-hmm. of the humanitarian sort um so so i definitely yeah i'm definitely very very happy to to see that and glad that they could come to uh an understanding uh you know that this was a humanitarian matter and that they needed to work together uh you know just compared to what would have happened in the past or the, the experience that that we have lived in the past yeah uh, the, this this now new spirit of cooperation is only a good thing it's only yes. a good thing it's a humanitarian thing i also i wanted to ask as well because when i think of you know the, the military man or whoever said it he said you know this is not looking for these four children is not a needle in a haystack it's a flea in a rug and because the you know the children keep moving and they're eventually found yep. around 5 kilometers from where they they crash but again 5 kilometers in in that jungle is you know it, you know 5 kilometers seems like nothing but 5 kilometers in that jungle is is a huge distance and for the four children but i i get the impression and i think little sort of reports are coming out that when the children protect perhaps heard soldiers or heard the helicopters or the search they hid and uh you know because they've got this you know fear of of these the you know the formal authorities in in this in in this situation i think i think they did didn't they they actually had you if you hear dogs barking you, you think of it as a threat and if you hear a helicopter flying overhead you probably think it's a you know a military operation what do you say to that Yes, I will most definitely say that you know that 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 that's a very realistic scenario, and also just thinking about myself. I mean, I used to be scared to death when I was a kid when I used to see the soldiers because, mm. you know, back then back then in Cauca we didn't have roads, and so they will always like in that region we didn't have roads, so 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 they would they would uh, you know walk up the, the the trails and then they will pass by our houses. And, you know, we were never used to seeing that many men uh, so, uh, you know, so uh, fully armed with so many weapons. And it used to be a very, very scary situation. You know, I, I never knew that, you know, that they were soldiers or that they were guerrilla. I just knew that there was a bunch of men going with their guns and 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 doing their own thing so i used to be very very scared about that situation and so i will say you know when we grew up in that context uh you know being so isolated from everything and then suddenly you see people that are you know that are you know just weapons to the to the teeth then you definitely get very scared no matter from which side they come and so i will say i don't know that you know it, it will be it will be a maybe good to confirm with them but you know, if it had been me in that situation back then, I would have definitely been very scared about that because I I used to be very scared of the of the soldiers when I used to see them. Actually, yeah, that 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 <laughs> yeah, that fear only went away like later on when I actually you know kind of became more aware of the situation. But but up until like fourteen, fifteen, I used to be very scared of 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 anybody who used to go by you know 
uh, with weapons. And you didn't distinguish oh, who they were, no. army or guerrilla. Yeah. It's just people. These are people yeah. with guns. People with guns, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. because it, because it's not the nature in the community. You know, people people in the community are not are not armed. They are not walking around with with uh, you know with mm. with uh, weapons on you know mm. uh, on their on their shoulders. So so it's 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 very scary. Mm. Definitely, no, I know. And so, tell us now. Now, a good time to move on to the, because we did fall back on this a few times in interviews uh, with the mainstream press in England and elsewhere. It's the saberes ancestrales, and so if we talk about the ancestral knowledge uh, that the indigenous people possess when it comes to, let's say, Mother Earth and the jungle. Maybe you can give us a bit more of a, a, a summary of, of how to explain this. Yes. So, so in, you know, that is a, that is a very wide uh, context and every tribe, every community understands it, uh, you know, in a different manner. Uh, but basically, uh, I will say, you know, we, we, we grow up uh, understanding that you know that nature, that earth is our mother, and in 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 that context, there is uh, all these sorts of spirits that are there, uh, that can be there to do good or to do evil, and 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 that ability is mainly, uh, it's mainly, uh, I guess, guided or affected by humans. It's not, it's not the spirit in itself. It's not like the spirit is. I guess it's not that the spirit is evil. It's more that the spirit can be used for both purposes, mm -hmm. to do good or to do bad, depending on the people, mm -hmm. right? Uh, that's what we grew up uh, learning. And, you know, my grandfather, he was a shaman, so he used to speak about this uh, quite frequently. And so just just like one 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 quick story that, I mean, it, you know, he in the, in the places where there is water, he would say that there was that there was uh, small spirits that if they were happy, they will let you take the drink. But if they were unhappy because, you know, you had done something, something bad, then they might actually make that water uh, harm you. You know, you might get a stomachache. You might, you might get a headache from, from that. And so it's the same spirit that is there to do good, that can be, can do good or can do bad depending on the situation. And, you know, with children, since, uh, you know, we believe that the children are the most uh i guess innocent of them all uh i mean in this context uh depending and also also on, on their own spirituality you know it might have been a, a key factor to allow them to you know stay alive mm -hmm. in in a context where there is so many dangers so uh again i will say that you know that that spirituality is also very personal, but uh, we are very aware that the spirits are out there, whether you like it or not. Uh, they can actually uh, you can they can actually affect you, even if you believe in them or not. They can actually affect you, and if you believe, if you have you know your own faith uh, in the spirits, then they might actually even do more for you than if you did not uh, believe. So. Again, I do not know their context. I do not know what you know what kind of beliefs they 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 hold. Um, but in general, what what they 
what I have heard from the people saying, the indigenous peoples, is that definitely uh, since there was a lot of uh, rituals being made from the outside, from people who were, you know, also expecting the kids to be alive, uh, you know, that that might have had an effect on on them, uh, you know, being able to stay alive. And that's how it's always been uh, in the communities when the person who is having the situation cannot do anything about it, somebody else will act on their behalf. And and that was the case, you know, you know, just as as a story to tell. Uh, in my case, when 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 my mom was uh, was uh, about to give birth uh, to me. Uh, I could not go down because I was in the wrong position. And so my my grandfather, who was a shaman, he's, he basically started doing kind of like a remote session, like a remote healing session where he would touch his stomach as if he was the one who was pregnant, tried to shift me into the right position. And then when he said that I was ready to, to you know, to be given birth, birth i was actually born and that was a that's that's a very that's a very true story of as to how i came to you know to this world and and so things like that can happen and i know that there was a lot of people doing rituals on the outside uh you know on behalf of the of the children so even if they might not have had you know the beliefs themselves the, the, the what was happening on the outside definitely had a, an impact i will say and that's probably the reason why they are alive and in that that connection between people nature actions and of course then it, the, nature being the spirit world as well everything being the spirit world that uh, story you tell about your mother in childbirth with you is is very powerful indeed yes uh, I, you know your your grandfather a shaman making the motions on his his stomach as if he had the womb and so on that's very powerful indeed and i i think that obviously the oldest child at at 13 would have had more knowledge of the spirits and of the beliefs and would have been able to impart them to her brothers and uh, and sister i think she would have been able to have done that definitely and i know as you as you were mentioning the the efforts and the ceremonies taking place outside so I know that there were a lot of the, I guess, taitas or, or and shaman talking about having communicated with the children v- via jahe, no, ayahuasca to those of you in, in other parts of South America. But jahe, uh, had, have you heard about that as well? The use of jahe to communicate through, so let's say, the, the I don't know, parallel universes. Yes, it's definitely it's definitely a a, a, a plant that can be used for that purpose. Uh, and it also depends on the on the kind of, of shamans that you know that are doing the, the ritual. Uh, in the case of, of, of us and Asa people, because we're from the mountain, we do not have that plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but we did go into this this sort of you know like trans states, mm-hmm. and it also depends very much on the on the on the level of of uh i guess relationship that the shaman has with the spirit world uh you know my my grandfather used to say that he did not need that kind of uh 
products to be able to enter into that state mm -hmm. because uh you know in his case he actually learned by going to a by going to a lake mm -hmm. and then in the lake at night he will see the spirits talking to him without having to go into a into into like a trance state and so it it really depends on the on the culture on the on the culture that is doing it i know that in the amazon uh, basin you know they 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 mainly use that plant to go into the trans state is just different ways to go about it uh, for us coca leaves uh, are generally uh, enough and also tobacco leaves which kind of also alterate your your consciousness if you have a lot of it and so and so for us it's a little bit different but definitely they are tools that are used uh, for for the spiritual purposes I, th I I wanted to go back as uh, when I thought about I was just thinking about again the photos that were taken when you know the first sort of rescue photos that came out and it was all the soldiers with the children and it's all this kind of it's a kind of marketing isn't it it's a kind of uh, I I don't understand the need to do that I don't understand the need to do that they were all working together uh, right perhaps I mean do you do you, I mean have you, do you feel that always the the traditional and the ancient communities have been pushed to one side in all of these sorts of things? Is this something that happens too frequently? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that definitely happens uh, all the time, actually. Uh, and in this case, that's why I mentioned it, that I was uh, very sad to see that uh, in a way because... You know the work was shared, and yet, uh, who you know, if, if if somebody from the outside who has not heard that it was actually the the water indigena who found them, you know, somebody will say, oh, it was it was the army, and that's what you know. If you go into Twitter, many many Colombians are you know were were saying it, you know, it, it was the army. Thank you to the army, and so forth, and and the, and that's fine because again, it was a shared work, but it was actually the the water indigena who found them. And so I will, uh, you know, you know, I I will say there should have been a little bit more visibility in that sense uh, for the for the community in 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 the media, and there wasn't. So yeah. that's that's a little bit unfortunate, especially on like the on the on the on the um, how do you say that when the news just came out? Yeah. Uh, because afterwards, then there were all of all of these interviews, but. But when the news just came out, the picture that was used did not quite include uh, the indigenous community in there, which was a little bit sad. It's a bit sad. It's a bit sad. But I have to say, this government that we have now, I mean, you can love it or you can hate it. And it seems to be very, very split down the middle right now. But to have included uh, the indigenous uh, communities in the search parties. And also, I mean, what was the event that took place in the Plaza de Bolivar, not too long ago, the Guardia Indígena was there. Uh, was that a minga? Was it? A, it was the demonstration, and the Guardia Indígena came to make sure it was all, you know, everything was okay. Yeah, it, basically there was a there was a a, a march. Uh, not it, that was a that wasn't a protest, I guess. <laughs> it was they were mainly like, like marching uh, to support the uh, structural changes that Pedro is trying to make, and so they were there to support the people who was uh, you know marching in support of that. And uh, yeah, a lot of uh, indigenous guards did came from from Cauca to kind of oversee what was going on and, and also to support uh, the, the process. Because what, what I like about that, and I I, I mean, if you, again, you go onto Twitter where I've always said it's where the hatred lives, but you, the people <laughs> who, 
who get out there and start saying, you know, the you know these criminals and they're up there and what are they doing? But for me, the visibility of the Guardia Indigena is a positive thing. It's an inclusion of a very important, you know, sector of Colombian population. Previous to that, it would just have been like ESMAD, so the riot police or the police or something else. Why can't, again, the, the original uh, ancient practices be kept in use? That's that's my thing. And so to see that there, you know, let's say the indigenous communities come up to to not really even a protest. It was a sort of like it's just like a march, isn't it? It's just like a demonstration yeah. of of demonstration, support. Yeah. But to have the indigenous guard there is like you know we will look after ourselves. I like that. I like the visibility. But wow, the the uh, reaction by some sectors of society was just it was outrageous. But uh, anyway, we digress a bit. We digress a bit. I think the main story is really, isn't it? It's how amazing the reality is that these four children survived uh, how amazing it is that you know all four four brought out of the jungle they're now in bogota being cared for it was spectacular but we must not diminish the role that the indigenous communities had in this whole process and you know i think again four years ago three years ago two years ago i don't think the indigenous communities would have been consulted by the government in power at that time. Yeah, I will definitely say that that would not been the case. And so, and so, uh, you know, to be honest, I do not know the context as to who uh, decided to include the community, the indigenous community in the process. I don't know if it was the indigenous communities who, who, you know, who, I guess, offered the help or if they were asked to help in the case, especially in the case of the of the of the Guardia from Cauca, because I know that the Guardia that the Guardia from the from the from the area where the accident happened. I mean, they did started mm. uh, doing the process from the very beginning, basically, because it's a humanitarian matter. But but then afterwards, uh, a little bit over 40 uh, in the Guardias from Cauca uh, flew into the region and started also looking uh, for the children over there, um, so so I am not informed as to that particular case, uh, but um, yeah, it will be interesting to see to see who exactly was who decided to to include them or if they offered the help. In any case, I was very happy to see that they were allowed to be a part of it because. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, again, as 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 you said, I don't think uh, a couple of years ago it would have been uh, the case. So so most definitely this is a a very good step in the right direction. So uh, some some of the guardia, as you said, some of the indigenous guard came from Calca. Are you, do you know any of them? Yes, I do know a few of them. Yeah, uh, yeah. and have you spoken to them since? No, I have not. Uh, I have not spoken to uh, them. It would be yeah. lovely to know what they, know. the experience, you know, lovely to know how, True. because again, Cauca to Guaviare is very different. <laughs> it's very, very different. different, yes. Yeah, the context is definitely not the same. We have we have forests, we have big forests, but we have mainly temperate forests, while, you know, in that region is is uh, very hot and very humid. Yeah, definitely. Ervin? Thank you so much for sharing this point of view that it's you know is too all too sadly overlooked 
uh, on on too often occasions. But uh, thank you for being able to share with us, you know, some knowledge uh, and, of course, the understanding of what saberes ancestrales are. You know, the ancient uh, knowledge that comes. W- you know, within, I would say, the very being of the indigenous community, especially when it comes to nature and the spirits and the, let's say, the ambience of of these places. And I think you've put it into context for us. I know that my listeners who have been following this, because it's been a global, global story, I don't think there was any newspaper in the world that didn't have it on the front page that next day. Um, But so let's just move on quickly and just end this, but say, Buy Erwin's coffee, nativeroot.com. Uh, you know, so much of the money goes back into the community, isn't it? It's a high percentage goes back in to help build schools and homes and so on. That's right. That's that's something that we have been doing since the very beginning. And even since before that, uh, I mean, in my community, in my family, we have always uh, tried to fundraise to bring uh, different kinds of, uh, you know, aid to the community. We have been able to definitely build uh, houses for, for elderly people. We have brought food, clothing and so forth. Uh, in the case of the coffee specifically, what we are doing uh, as of now is we right now the coffee price prices have gone down uh, significantly so we have set a floor price in this case that is about almost 50 percent above the value of the market as as of now and when that is not the case when the price is high then we we pay generally between 12 and 25 percent above market value that's what we do for the community since uh you know they are producing really really good coffee and we have been able to basically internalize all of our processes and not depend on 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 third party <clears throat> providers so that's that's definitely the work nativerootcoffee.com uh, you can find us and also everywhere on social media as native root coffee excellent ervin thank you so much for your time and knowledge and everyone out there buy I, I i buy it when i go overseas and it's presents for everyone so that's just a little idea for you and father's day coming up everyone so buy coffee for you know that significant uh, man in the household uh, everybody loves coffee this is great coffee so think think of this as perhaps a gift for you know the father in your family anyway Edwin liz thank you so much for your time it has been really insightful and an honor to speak about let's say a bit more of the indigenous culture the communities the ancient communities here within colombia so we'll sign off of this episode 474 of the colombia calling podcast thank you to everyone for listening the listener rates have gone through the roof in the last couple of weeks and of course listen to uh some uh some messages from our sponsors and if you're interested of course www.patreon.com forward slash columbia calling and you can support us there but thank you all that's us that's us this week bye-bye the columbia calling podcast is sponsored by latin news a leading source of political and economic analysis on latin america and the caribbean since 1967 their flagship publication the latin american weekly report provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We are also sponsored by 
BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator providing a wonderful range of exclusive small group shared tours for those over 50, along with customizable private tours to both popular and off-the-map destinations throughout this beautiful and diverse country. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a unique private package of your own, just complete the form on the Columbia Calling website, that's www.columbiacalling.co, or the BNB Columbia Tours website, that's www.bnbcolumbia.com, and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all of your questions and to start the planning of your exclusive Colombian adventure. So that's bnbcolumbia.com and latinnews.com. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. Blah, blah.